the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, I don't even know what I'm doing here because I, I got other plans in my life and this wasn't part of it. Your father was special. I'll tell you the truth, I don't know if he's special. Only you're going to know that when the time is right. And it ain't going to come overnight. You're going to take a beat, you're going to take this, you're going to get knocked down, you're going to get up, and you're going to see if you got the right thing. But you got to work hard. I swear to God, if you're not going to do it, I'm out. Welcome to the main event. Yes, uh, that's the first clip that I've used from the movie Creed. If you haven't seen it, if you're a Rocky fan, you owe it to yourself. It's a good one. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're special. Your dad was special, and you, only you know if you're special. You know what? If you're not special to make it in life, make yourself special. Work hard, and you become special. That's how, that's how America works, folks. You know what? It's, it's not that hard. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Oh, you just got lucky. Yep, hard work makes you lucky. And uh, you know what? People just have their brains twisted. Have their brains twisted. The more I, the more I hear of what's going on, the more twisted it is. Um, I had, I had a, uh, uh, a guy named Tom Hardig walk into my office today. Uh, before I came to do my show, and I'm recording on Wednesday. I normally record on Friday, but since Friday's uh, uh, Good Friday, um, the 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 station is shut down. So if I'm a little out of sorts, I'm really, you know, I'm really not used to you know recording on Friday and then speaking at a conference on Saturday, and I usually have to re 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 uh, reboot my brain by the next Friday so I can do that again. So uh, other than you know doing loans and stuff. But uh, you know uh, the reason I brought up Tom Hardy is uh, Tom. Tom was like the the father of Merino Valley real estate. You know everybody knew knew Tom Hardig Properties. Uh, him and Jan popped in for a visit. They uh, retired about twelve years ago. Got in their motorhome, and uh, he's got a place up in Washington and a whole bunch of places down here. And uh, he he says he's been to forty seven state capitals now. Uh, I guess forty or uh, he's been to forty. Eight of them, and then they've been to Juno, but they didn't get their their motorhome there because I guess you can't drive into Juno and can't drive their motorhome to Honolulu either. So they've been to all eight, all forty eight of them on the mainland, and uh, they're enjoying life. And uh, you know what? After we were visiting for a few minutes, and and uh, he goes, "So are you ready to vote for Don?" And I said, "Hell yeah!" And you know what? When we start talking, he goes, "You know what?" Anybody who's been in business understands. People that haven't been in business, you know, I, I see all the stuff on the on TV and the radio and and all the stuff that's going on, the anti-Trump stuff. And you know what? Think about this. Before Ted Cruz, who would ever trust a lawyer? 
I mean, what is the what is the group? You know, hey, what's what do you call fifty lawyers chained together at the bottom of the ocean? A good start. You know what? Who would trust the who who would put their trust of the whole country in a lawyer over a successful businessman? Do we want to? Do we want to? Uh, do we want to tr- entrust our whole country? To a lawyer? Well, what is his? What are his uh, his qualifications? Well, he's argued great cases in front of the Supreme Court. Okay, has he done anything to create any jobs for anybody? Does he understand how to balance a checkbook? Does there any evidence that he's capable of how the how the free market works? How the capitalistic system works? Is there any of that? And don't get me wrong. If Cruz gets the gets the nomination, I will be a hundred percent behind him. But the more I see them throw stuff at people, the more stuff I see. And then uh, today I hear uh, I hear them talking about. Uh, apparently, they did an anti-Trump ad and uh, put a picture of uh, Trump's uh, wife scantily dressed or undressed uh, in the ad. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But Trump took a swipe back at Cruz, and Cruz is acting innocent. Oh, that was one of my super packs. I had nothing to do with it. Isn't that how the thing went down with uh, with Cruz and the the tweet from somebody in his organization that got people not to vote for Ben Carson? And isn't that how the 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 mailers went out to people telling them to vote for Trump and that they were being monitored? And isn't that how the Photoshop went down of uh, them putting out an ad showing uh, Rubio's face on uh, Kevin McCarthy's body smiling? smiling lovingly into Obama's eyes on the steps of the Capitol and say, this guy's with Obama. I don't know. This guy just is just too coincidental that he doesn't know anything that's going on in his organization. But they want to they want to accuse Trump of of, uh, hey, you hired uh, illegal aliens to uh, to tear down the building that stand that used to stand where the Trump Towers are back in 1978. And, uh, you know, they want (laughs) to. It's just amazing to me the 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 double standard that's going on. So remember folks, use your brain. Remember the government works for us. We don't work for the government. Don't listen to them try to influence you. If you feel if you feel good about Trump, vote for Trump. I feel good for about Trump. I have a gut feeling. Of course I felt really good about Scott Walker and I felt really good about Rick Perry and I felt really really good about uh Ben Carson. I felt really 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 good about Carly Fiorina. Um and I felt okay about Donald Trump. Uh but apparently uh there just wasn't enough airtime available for those people um to uh, get the uh, support and uh so now it's uh now we're down to Trump. And Kasich, who's a Democrat, and Cruz, who my gut feeling just tells me he's just not as honest and truthful as people think he is. And the fact that he's a lawyer would support that. So anyway, I'm going to talk about what happened in the first three days of this week. And for those of you that don't watch the news, which and for especially for those of you, those of you that listen to the station are probably conservative Republicans. You probably have jobs. And so you don't have time to watch all that. And uh, if you're not a news junkie like me and paying attention, then you depend on me to tell you. So I'm going to tell you all that stuff that's happening so far so you can have uh, so you can have an educated opinion. Whether or not it's yours is, is irrelevant. You, at least you'll have my opinion. But first, let me introduce myself so you know whose opinion you're getting. My name is Ed Hoffman, president, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located in the city of Moreno Valley. Also offices in... Temecula, Corona, Orange, Downey, Westlake Village, 
And coming soon, now it looks like it's Covina. I thought it was West Covina, but I guess it's over the edge. Uh, I think it will be Covina. But I'll let you know in the next in the next couple of weeks. But we're we're uh, we're we're just growing like like the like the like the blob for those of you that are old enough to remember it. We're picking up steam and we're taking over the real estate financing era. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And one more time, day or night, toll free. 855-640-2020. Whether you need a, uh, a refinance or a purchase, if you're purchasing a house to live in, a house to uh, put your kids in so you can get them out of your basement or your extra room or the garage, uh, or if you want to buy a vacation home or or a uh, or an investment property, or if you want to make your, if you're over 62 and you want to make that, uh, that mortgage payment go away um, and with one of them reverse mortgage things, um, Call me, 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're still at work and you're stealing time from your boss, wait till your lunch break because us conservatives do not advocate you stealing time from your employer. And if you're one of my employees, don't even think about it. So anyway, if you're, uh, if wait till your lunch break, go on edhoffman.net, click on apply now, fill in as much information as uh, you want me to have and tell me how much information you want back from me. And you'll hear back from either myself or one of my teammates, Justin Clark, Randy Sampius, Alex Rojas, or Matt Bradbury. We'll get right back to you and uh, give you all the information you want, help you uh, solve your, uh, your, uh, your real estate financing quandary come up with a new name if you hear something you want that you want repeated and you want to uh, hear it back you can also be on edhoffman.net click on list the main event hear this show or four past shows uh on there or you can also get the podcast on itunes go on itunes search the main event and you can uh get those shows and you can subscribe for free and have it download to your uh your device your phone your iphone your ipad your ipod your iWatch, your computer, um, whatever you use to get iTunes, or even your Droid, I think, um, can now get iTunes. So, uh, And then you can hear it any time of day or night you want, so you don't have to uh, be watching the clock. If you want to hear my uh, my opinion on things going on, I, I tweet on, uh, on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman. I tweet around about current events all week long. And like my show on Facebook, uh, the Facebook ser- go to Facebook, search The Main Event 590 to find the show page. You can also read my weekly opinion columns on uh, by visiting iebusinessdaily.com, iebusinessdaily.com. Click on the opinion tab to see my full list of columns. This week's column is, uh, is about what is missing from Obama's response to the attack on Belgium. And I think Obama was missing from his response. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, what else did I leave out? I can't think of anything. Um, 855-640-2020. So let's talk, about, let's talk about Belgium. So for those of you that think it's just the, the land of chocolates and Jean-Claude Van Damme, it's now got some new notoriety. I was trying to find a clip of uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and I was trying to think of uh, what is a famous movie clip that you could play on the radio of Jean-Claude Van Damme. But it's all kicking, and you wouldn't be able to see it. So anyway, the muscles from Brussels. Now uh, now there's terrorism in Brussels. Um, so uh, ISIS claimed responsibility for the two attacks in Brussels, Brussels, Belgium, on Tuesday, uh, where the death toll, as of Wednesday night, stands at 34. Here, here is what happened for those of you that 
sleep all week. It started about 8 a.m. Tuesday morning. Two explosions at the airport, at Brussels Airport. The first explosion took place outside the security checkpoint for ticketed passengers. The second explosion near the airline checking counter. So imagine you're at Ontario. Uh, two guys got out. One of them went to check in his bag at the outside one, and one of them went inside to that check-in bag, and both bombs went off the same place. Third bomb, discovered later at the airport, failed to detonate. An assault rifle was also found later. So there's always, hey, two out of three Two out of three of these things, these homemade bombs, work. Um, The death toll at the airport is believed to be 24, including at least one suicide bomber. The other suicide bombers, we don't know if he was successful because he may not be dead. Um, An hour later, there was another explosion at a nearby nearby metro train station where another 10 people were killed. So uh, they got all all the transportation stuff going on early in the morning when people are traveling to work. The terror attacks came just days after the arrest of Paris attacker Salah Abdel Salam, who was hiding out in the Brussels suburb. So uh, remember uh, a couple months ago we had the the uh, the coordinated attack in Paris, France, and they caught everybody but one. This guy got over the got over the border into Belgium, and so they they caught him Sunday or Monday. I don't know one of those days. So they just uh, um, they had just caught him uh, a couple days earlier, and uh, then all these and then all these uh, bombs went off. Authorities confirmed the identities uh, of the attackers: um, Ibrahim Ibrahim El Bak Rui, twenty nine. His brother Khalid. The third suspect is thought to be Najim Latrui. Don't uh, don't hold me. Uh, uh, responsible for the pronunciation, uh, who is also linked to the Paris attacks. The identity of the fourth attacker is not known. So there's some pictures of these guys going through the airport pushing these uh, carts, and uh, both of them have one glove on. They both think they're uh, they're Michael Jackson. Either that, or one of them was supposed to uh, use to detonate the bomb, and one was supposed to uh, I don't know, not detonate the bomb. I'm not sure if you detonate the bomb with a glove or without a glove. I know that if you're dancing and doing the moonwalk, you got to have one glove on, typically with sequins. So uh, the big talk after the initial the initial uh, fact that hey, you know what? There's terrorism in the world, and guess what? They're all Muslims, or at least they sound like Muslim based on those names. I could be wrong, but I'm not. Um, so the the other talk is about Obama's response because Obama is. Is so appropriate. He's so presidential. You know what? When I hear hear people go, well, Trump isn't very presidential. Well, what about Obama? Oh, but everybody loves Obama. Okay. So uh, as you know, Obama was in Cuba when this happened because we have to be in Cuba. And uh, after the attack in Brussels, he spent a whopping 51 seconds talking about it during his pre-scheduled speech in Havana. The thoughts and the prayers of the American people are with the people of Belgium, and we stand in solidarity with them in condemning these outrageous attacks against innocent people. We will do whatever is necessary to support our friend and ally Belgium in bringing to justice those who are responsible. And this is yet another reminder that the world must unite. We must be together, regardless of nationality or race, or faith in fighting against the scourge of terrorism. We can and we will defeat those who threaten the safety and security of people all around the world. 
We can and we will defeat those that threaten the security of those of us all around the world. How are we going to do that? You're just going to send them a iPod with your uh, with your speeches on it, and it's going to make them surrender, or what? You have to actually fight. You can't win a fight without fighting. Sounds like any one of uh, 20 other speeches he's done. I think I think Obama had his speechwriter write a catalog of speeches from a catalog of pre-numbered and saved saved to memory of the word processor and saved to memory of the uh, of the uh, uh, teleprompter. And uh, and he probably pre-recorded them so he could just put a robot up there because they all have the same. All they are, are a mixture of the same same sentences every time. Uh, that afternoon, he kept his priorities uh, straight by uh, priorities straight by attending an exhibition baseball game between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Cuban National Baseball Team. The optics were terrible. You know what? It's funny when I saw this when I saw this on the news this morning, and they showed and. Uh, and my and I, I said to my wife, they say, "Hey, they were watching a game of the Tampa Ray Tampa Bay Rays versus the Cuban National Baseball Team." And I said, "Who won?" And Don looks at me and she goes, "Who cares?" Exactly. So the optics were terrible as the president of the United States gave an impromptu interview to a bunch of smiling ESPN reporters without even leaving his seat. Hey, man, this is an important thing. He didn't even stand up or do anything. He just. Had you know, hey, ESPN's here. Let's make a speech. It's always a challenge uh, when you have a terrorist attack anywhere in the world, particularly in this age uh, of 24/7 news coverage. You want to re- be respectful and understand the gravity of the situation. Uh, but the whole premise of terrorism is to try to disrupt people's ordinary lives. Did you hear the the baseball bat hitting the ball in the background on that one? You know, it reminds me of. Uh, Reminds me of when he made his little speech about the Benghazi thing and and justice will be done and we're going to get the perpetrators. We're going to do a full investigation and we're going to find and bring the people to justice that caused caused this, especially that guy that made that movie. And then he got on a plane and went to a fundraiser. And then uh, and then when uh, James Foley was uh, decapitated, he came out and made a made a, uh, a speech at the golf course. If I remember correctly, got off of his golf cart, came out, made a statement for the made a statement for the uh, the cameras, then walked back and got on his golf carts with his buddies and went golfing. So, can you say inappropriate? So, uh, I liked best what Guy Benson had to say on Outnumbered uh, the next day, which was uh, Wednesday morning. The optics of him sitting next to a communist dictator at a baseball game in his shades doing the wave while they're still cleaning up the blood on the streets in Europe and while there's a massive manhunt underway. And we learned, by the way, later in the day that the leader of a Colombian terrorist organization, FARC, F-A-R-C, which is designated by our government as a terrorist organization, was also at that baseball game, uh, which I'm sure the Cuban regime knew about. Uh, This is not a good look for a president on the day of an international terrorist crisis, period. So there he is, sitting in the stands, right in the front row, him and Michelle doing the wave, looking about as unpresidential and idiotic as as you could think of when something really important is happening in the world. And he's smiling and laughing with with, uh, Raul Castro next to him, who's just a a pillar of strength in the uh, the world community. Um, It's... It's just it's embarrassing. You know, when when I hear when I hear him talk about making America great again, wouldn't it be great to have a president that makes you feel like you're proud to be an American, that we're the we're the biggest, baddest, 
uh, force for good in the in the world, and we're not going to let anybody push us around. Wouldn't it be great to have that again? I can't wait. I have the Obama countdown clock on my shelf in my office, and uh, I think we're down to about 300 days now. Um, tick, tick, tick. It can't go fast enough. So uh, two years after announcing the U.S. would restore its diplomatic relations in Cuba, Obama was the first sitting president to actually visit the communist nation since Calvin Coolidge uh, was there 88 years ago. Here's how he introduced himself to Raul Castro and the Cuban people. As the decades rolled by, our government settled into a seemingly endless confrontation, fighting battles through proxies. In a world that remade itself time and again, one constant was the conflict between the United States and Cuba. I have come here to bury the last remnant of the Cold War in the Americas. One constant was the... uh... Was the the relationship between the United States and Cuba? One constant was how Cuba treats their people. One constant is how they how they uh, don't the they violate human rights uh, laws in the world. And one constant is the fact that they have uh, uh, felons from United States that have sought refuge in Cuba and they won't turn them over. You know, I can't remember the lady's name that uh, killed the uh, killed the cop and then headed to Cuba and. I don't think uh, I don't think Obama and Raul Castro have even talked about her yet. But hey, I wonder who won the uh, won the game between uh, the Cuban national team and the and the Tampa Bay Rays. No, I don't. So you'd think a visit from the president of the United States would have uh, have the authoritarian Cuban government on its best behavior, but instead, the government arrested fifty people marching for human rights just hours before Obama touched down in Air Force One on Sunday. And here's just a small piece of that little chaos. Just hours before President Barack Obama landed in Cuba for a historic visit, a pro-democracy march was broken up by police in Havana. More than 50 people were detained, according to one of the march's organizers. Well, I don't know if that was really much of the chaos, but there was somebody who just said the same thing I said. So here's how our commander-in-chief responded in his speech to the Cuban government on Monday by gently tapping them on the hand and saying, we can learn from each other. President Castro, I think, has pointed out that, uh, in his view, making sure that everybody's getting a decent education or health care, has basic uh, security and old age, that those things are human rights as well. Uh, I personally would not disagree with that. But it doesn't detract from some of these other concerns. And the goal of the human rights dialogue Uh, is not for the United States to dictate to Cuba how they should govern themselves, but to make sure that we are having a frank and candid conversation around this issue, uh, and hopefully that we can learn from each other. It's uh, he forgot to say having rum shooters either, um, because you know we just want to have a. We don't care if they if they treat their people, uh, violate human rights. We don't. You know we could in the human rights uh, uh, subject we can both learn from each other. You guys can teach us how to uh, how to abuse our people, and then we can then he can come back to America and try doing it to us. You know what? I hope you guys all have guns. So because, you know, there's a lot of groups out there that are, pre- are predicting martial law is going to hit before the election. And, and that's the only circumstance under which 
uh, Obama could stay president past uh, the end of this year uh, or past July, uh, January 20th of next year is uh, if they declare martial law, which basically is saying the the military is is uh, is holding is fighting against its own people. Um, so, but maybe maybe Obama heard about all the criticism of his behavior because by Wednesday he took a more serious tone. By the time he jumped on his on his hundred eighty thousand dollar an hour uh, rocket ship, uh, Air Force One, and went to Argentina for some more uh, good times. Today, the people of the United States and Argentina stand with the Belgian people and express our extraordinary sorrow for the losses that they've experienced. Uh, we understand the pain they feel viscerally because our countries as well have known uh, the scourge of terrorism. Uh, and we've seen our own citizens impacted by this kinds of senseless, vicious violence. Uh, as I told Belgium's prime minister yesterday, the United States will continue to offer any assistance that we can to help investigate these attacks and bring attackers to justice. We will also continue to go after ISIL aggressively until it is removed from Syria and removed from Iraq and is finally destroyed. The world has to be united against terrorism, and we can and we will defeat those who threaten the safety and security not only of our own people, but of people all around the world. Hey, I'm out of time for part one of the main event. Don't go away. I'll be right back after five minutes of commercials, traffic, and weather. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you need real estate financing, call somebody who thinks like you, has logical, has logic and common sense, and will guide you to, to the decision that's best for you. Call me, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And one more time, we'll see if we can do it without making my tongue trip. Area code 855-640-2020. Um, so we've been talking in the first half for those of you that just tuned in, shame on you for missing the first half. Uh, so, uh, for those of you that just tuned in, we're talking about our, uh, our president and what a presidential, what a presidential showing he had in, uh, in, uh, Cuba over there, uh, making friends with our communist, communist, uh, dictator over there. And, uh, it's amazing to me that, you know, what what's funny is, uh, there's a scene that I can't show on the radio because it's radio, but uh, Obama went to shake Raul Castro's hand at some point, and Raul Castro just grabbed his wrist and held it up. And uh, I just thought Obama looked stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Obama looked stupider than he normally looks because to me he always looks stupid because I know this guy is just not anybody that we should have that should have ever inhabited the White House. And it's not because of the color of his skin, folks. It's because the content of his character is nothing. So, after Obama's speech, which I, uh, which if you heard the first half, you heard you heard my clips from it. A reporter asked him what was his primary objective in following the. After the speech, reporter asked him what his primary objective is following the the Brussels attack. Priority is to defeat ISIL and to eliminate the scourge of this barbaric terrorism that's been taking place around the world. And we see high-profile attacks in Europe, but they're also killing Muslims throughout the Middle East. 
people who are innocent, uh, people who are guilty only of worshiping Islam in a different way than this organization. Uh, they are poisoning the minds of young people everywhere, not just in Europe, but in the United States and undoubtedly in Argentina. People are looking on these websites. Uh, so there's no more important item on my agenda than going after them and defeating them. Because they're killing Muslims. Did you hear him say anything about killing Christians or killing Jews? Uh, oh, that's not news because that's what they do every day in uh, in the Middle East and Europe. So I guess we don't have to. Uh, you know, that's not important when you kill kill Christians or Jews. Only important when you kill Muslims. And does anybody notice that nobody is calling ISIS ISIL anymore? For those of you that lost the lost, what's the difference? ISIS is uh, the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. And uh, ISIL refer, refers to Islamic State in Iraq and the Levant. And Levant is a, uh, a way of saying uh, the whole entire Muslim, I'll say it like Obama says, Muslim, Muslim community. He probably says it right because he's Muslim, apparently. Because uh, all, all, even though he says he's a Christian, all evidence to the contrary. So uh, it just amazes me that he gives them the respect, calling them ISIL, and he never brings up when they kill Jews or Christians. I don't know. I thought that's where our country was mostly made up. So after that, he jumped subtly, in, subtly accusing Donald Trump and Ted Cruz of instilling Islamophobia, which he managed to do without mentioning them by name. He started by saying, what some candidates have said is troubling because... One of the great strengths of the United States, and part of the reason why we have not seen more attacks in the United States, is we have a uh, extraordinarily successful, patriotic, integrated Muslim American community. Uh, they do not feel ghettoized. They do not feel isolated. Their children are our children's friends going to the same schools. They are our colleagues in our workplaces. They are our men and women in uniform, fighting for our freedom. And so any approach that would single them out or target them for discrimination is not only wrong and un-American, but it also would be counterproductive. Once again, once again, we're not uh we're not we're not uh, criticizing them for targeting Christians and Jews. Uh only it's only anything that targets the Muslims uh is is wrong. And uh, don't forget his comment on the carpet bombing uh, uh comments of I believe Ted Cruz and Trump have both said this about carpet bombing the Middle East. Uh let's not forget uh the little part of this speech when when uh uh Obama threw threw that little comment in. When I hear somebody saying we should carpet bomb Iraq or Syria, not only is that inhumane, not only is that contrary to our values, but that would likely be an extraordinary mechanism for ISIL to recruit more people willing to die and explode bombs in an airport or in a metro station. That's not a smart strategy. I want to know how he knows what also is, is it not only just contrary to our values, how do you know what our values are? 
grow, born to a Muslim dad, brought up by a, a Muslim stepdad in a Muslim country of Indonesia, um, then introduced to uh, to uh, um, what's his name, the guy that uh, that mentored him. Uh, not Bill Ayers, but Bill Ayers is one of his friends. It's uh, Saul Saul Alinsky, Frank Marshall Davis. Frank Marshall Davis was a uh, was a, a communist American Communist Party, and Saul Alinsky was uh, the guy who wrote Rules for Radicals, who uh, who uh, was kind of a mentor to uh, not only not only to Obama or did or did uh, he get taught by Frank Marshall Davis um, that, but uh, also Hillary Clinton was a uh, personal follower of Saul Alinsky rules for radicals and uh just makes me just makes me scared he only he only has a certain amount of speeches he can he can make and he just he just adds adds little things and says the same thing every time and uh you know watch out for muslims and we're going to we're going to bring the terrorists to justice and uh these are the guys that are fighting in our military yeah i, I know there's uh, some muslim guys in our military last one i heard about was throwing grenades and killing people in fort hood i don't know i don't forget every i don't remember everything but i don't forget a lot of things either so uh, then the candidates jumped in. Then the candidates that are all running for president jumped in. Unlike our president, Donald Trump reacted to the attack in Belgium by making it clear that ISIS is taking advantage of an out-of-control immigration policy for Syrian refugees in Europe. And that is why it's becoming easier for them to carry out these attacks. Let me play his My comment. opinion, this is just the beginning. It will get worse and worse because we are lax and we are foolish. We are foolish. We can't allow these people... At this point, we cannot allow these people to come into well, the country. You, I'm sorry. You... We are allowing thousands and thousands of people to come into our country, and we don't even know where they come from and who they are. Yep, I can't argue with that because we don't know who they are, where they come from. We don't know anything. We just—it's just our obligation to take them in. We have an obligation to take care of people from Syria. Doesn't matter about the people in America because. We're not Muslims. It's the people in uh, in Syria that we have to take care of. We're obligated. It's because it's who we are, I guess. And then uh, Ted Cruz decided to uh, make the connection between the attack and Trump's declaration that the U.S. should pull out of NATO. Um, this was convenient tactic for Cruz because NATO is headquartered in Brussels. It is striking that the day after Donald Trump called for America weakening NATO, withdrawing from NATO, we see Brussels, where NATO is headquartered, the subject of a radical Islamic terrorist attack. Donald Trump is wrong that America should withdraw from the world and abandon our allies. Donald Trump is wrong that America should retreat from Europe, retreat from NATO, hand Putin a major victory and while he's at it hand ISIS a major victory well I don't know I think maybe Trump is more on than uh, than uh, Cruz but you know Reverend Reverend Ted Cruz was making his sermon and sounding very clergy like so uh, but uh, for those of you who don't know uh, NATO is the North Atlantic Treaty Association uh, organization so it's it's 28 countries that basically have vowed that hey if somebody picks on you we're going to come defend you. 
So, uh, you know, if, if someone at Belgium or France or Germany or United States, if, if somebody picks on us, everybody else is going to come defend us. Except, I don't think anybody ever comes to defend. The only people that go to defend other people is the United States. So, how's that working out for us? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going too good. So, uh, and then, of course, Hillary Clinton used the attack to her advantage as well in her speech Tuesday after winning the primary in Arizona. Um, let me, let's play Hillary. The last thing we need, my friends, are leaders who incite more fear. In the face of terror, America doesn't panic. We don't build walls or turn our backs on our allies. We can't throw out everything we know about what works and what doesn't and start torturing people. What Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, and others are suggesting is not only wrong, it's dangerous. Yeah, building that wall is going to be dangerous for us because, you know, somebody might drop one of those blocks and it might land on somebody else's head who's standing under the ladder when it gets really high. Or, you know, it's uh, I feel like Greg Gutfeld, some of this sarcastic humor I'm using today. But I promise I didn't write this. I'm just coming out of my just coming out of my brain. You know, it's dangerous to build a wall. You know, we don't just pull out. We just don't pull out of a pull out of our obligations. Well, you know what? The obligations is is a is a is a unilateral not unilateral it's a multilateral agreement that when somebody messes with us everybody comes to our aid and when somebody else gets messed with we come to that we all go to their aid seems to me that nobody ever comes to anybody's aid except for the united states and when somebody hits us they all send us oh we feel bad for you i went to ground zero in 2002 for the first time and there was a ton of ton of letters and letters and t-shirts and stuff with we love you, New York City, from your sister city, Tokyo. I don't know. To me, that doesn't seem quite the same as probably what the North Atlantic Treaty Associ- Treaty Organization had lined up. So, if Trump says we should pull out of it, maybe we should pull out of a pull out of a bad deal. Stop obligating ourselves to do something when the other when whoever we're obligating ourselves to to never does anything for us. Ladies, do you know what I'm talking about? Every now and then you get tired of of taking good care of your husband and if your husband doesn't ever uh, come around and do something nice for you now and then. Somebody told me, when should you tell your wife you love her? Before somebody else does. Honey, if you're listening, I love you. So anyway, uh, uh, just so just so you know, I don't I don't really think that's a... A big deal when he says, "Hey, let's pull out of it." And I don't really think it's a problem when Trump says, "Hey, let's stop bringing in Muslim, letting less Muslim people into this into this uh, country until we have it figured out what's going on." I think that's completely sane, and anything short of that is insane. I think protecting the American people is is priority. So uh, let's see where I leave off, and then so Hillary Clinton uh, doesn't think uh, thinks that. Uh, Protecting ourselves is dangerous. And uh, let's hear a little bit more of Hillary. Fight to ISIS from the air, on the ground with local forces and online where they recruit and propagandize. We have to dismantle the global terror pipeline, stop the flow of fighters, weapons and money. 
and strengthen our defenses here at home. And we need to work closely with our allies because that cooperation will help make our own country safe. That is what I will do as president. So this is yet another reason why this election really matters. Does any of this sound like BS to you? We have to work directly with our allies. You know what? The only one I saw work directly with our allies was was George W. Bush. And then he tried to get our allies in the Middle East, you know, Iraq, after we after we got rid of uh, uh, Saddam Hussein and his two uh, his two thug bo- uh, sons and uh, and all and you know, hey we 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 worked directly with them and I think Bush had an had had a vision that someday three four five ten generations down the road after the people after everybody had grown and passed on and the young kids that would take over take over the Middle East were people that were born into uh, a world without all the terrorism. And it started filtering itself out. You know, the stuff that we do in the world today isn't probably going to come true in our lifetimes. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna. The fruition of all our efforts today is going to happen in our grandkids or our grandkids' kids' uh, lifetime. But we love our family, so we want to do something that leaves leaves America, so that so that our kids don't have to live in a communist country, or uh, you know, get their heads chopped off for not being Muslims or or something along those lines. So. When has when has any Democrat ever done anything like that? When have the Allies ever done anything for us? We have to work closely with our allies. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too negative today because it's because it's Wednesday instead of Friday. So maybe I'm being grouchy because I'm because uh, you know I'm w- recording in the afternoon instead of the morning when I'm fresh. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just angry like everybody else in the country. So uh, let's talk about the primaries. Tuesday night was the Utah caucus and the Arizona primate for both parties. So on the Republican side, everyone wanted to know who's going to get the all-important Mormon vote. On both uh, Fox News and CNN, all the pundits had thoughts on how it was going to go. Here's Essie Cup on CNN. Last holdout is the Mormon vote, and I don't think he's going to do well in Utah. If Ted Cruz can't prove that this voting block is his, I'm not sure uh, how, how good the rest of the map looks for him. And let's not forget, the Mormon quarter goes through Mesa, Arizona, too. There is a huge Mormon population, almost half a million Mormons in Arizona. Not significant enough nationally, but um, significant enough that Ted Cruz could play in Arizona. The fight there is going to be between the, the border folks, right? The Jan Brewers of Arizona and maybe the, you know, the Ted Cruz Mormon Mormon vote. Uh, I never thought of Arizona as a as a Mormon uh, state. I always thought of them as open carry, having border problems, um, the land of Sheriff Arpaio. Um, I thought it was always kind of a kind of, you know, a state that enforces the laws. I have a house in, in Arizona. Um I actually, you know, if it wasn't so so hot down there, uh, I could I could live there. It's uh, got some common sense. Uh, and then here's Chris Steyerwalt on Fox. Uh, Utah is a socially conservative, uh, obviously Jesus Christ of the Latter Day Saints, Mormon state, uh, very church going, very religiously observant state. Uh, not a place where Donald Trump has done well. Uh, but Arizona is the kind of place where Donald Trump has done fantastically well. The Republican Party is split on these two states, and that's where we are watching it play out tonight. 
And in the end, Cruz pulled out a huge win in Utah. He went over 50%, so he got all 40 delegates. And Trump won Arizona handily and gained its 58 delegates. So although Cruz talked about he's the only one that can that has a chance to to uh, defeat Trump and save the world from, from um, I don't know, terrorists and Republicans and people that know how the economy works. And I, I should play this clip over and over from that I used last week. Uh, we're going to make America great. We're going to make America rich. And you got to be rich to be great. I love that. I love that because if we fix the economy, everything else will go well. If you fix everything else first, how are we going to pay for it? I'm Trump now, guys. I'm firmly, firmly supporting Trump until the nomination goes another way. Then I'm firmly supporting whoever has an R next to their name because we can't have Hillary. But uh, Trump has 498 delegates to go. People seem to think there's no way either either Trump or Cruz are going to hit 1,237. I would say there's no way tr- that uh, Cruz is, but I'm uh, holding out for Trump. And uh, And again, Trump wasn't my first choice, but we don't have – have much less and I really never had a problem with Trump it's just he has kind of a loose lips I mean it's not a loose lips but he just he lets his mouth run away from him and uh you guys have probably noticed that sometimes mine run runs away from me too and if you were at the uh the conservative conference last Saturday you heard me tell you hey sometimes I say inappropriate things in the office sometimes I say inappropriate things uh, on stage and sometimes I say them on the radio but uh Dan just clips them out before they broadcast so uh and but you know good people do good things good people treat people good i'll tell you i was talking to one of the political political the politics morgan Brittany, in uh uh at the uh, conservative conference after after my part where after i spoke and she was backstage and uh and we were talking about what's going on and she said you know what i work with donald trump at miss universe and donald trump is a good man she goes i don't care what they say she goes Donald Trump is a good man. You know, people that know, don't you think it's funny that none of his employees have come out and said what a tyrant he is? I mean, he's got lots and lots and lots and lots of people that have worked for him. And I would, and I would venture to say that if you talk to my employees, there's very few of them that will ever, that would ever tell you that Ed Hoffman is not a fair guy. Okay. I never, I never, I never steer my, I never put myself in a position to have to say, I'm sorry. For things I did with the wrong intention, I never, I never uh, steer my borrowers into something that's better for me than it is for them. And whenever there's a, a dispute on anything that has to do with money or whose business something is with my employees, I always err on their side because I don't ever want anyone to think that I mess with their money or mess with their business because reputation is everything. Yeah, I'm a little brash and I use some four-letter words sometimes that are inappropriate. But other than that... I treat people good, and that's why I've survived all these years in this business that I should have gone out of business about 400 times because uh, miraculously some some uh, uh, decision I made and uh, could have gone either way, and I made one decision. If I had turned turn right instead of left, I would have got run over by a bus. I, um, what's the word? It's not literally, but in business-wise, my, my business would have got run over by a bus. So... Don't be afraid of Trump. Don't be afraid of Trump. People that know him think he's a good man, and I just have a good feeling about about a guy that can run a business like that. So I got a couple of minutes left. Let's talk about WCC charities. Let's talk about let's talk about my uh, 
events coming up next week. Next week, I hope to have Joey Jones of the Boot Campaign on here with me because we're going to do a uh, uh, push-ups for charity at our at our office on May twenty first, second annual. We're going to raise some money for some uh, some veterans that uh, need that need a hand up. In addition, for those of you that uh, didn't see us at the conservative conference. Um, if you go on WCCCharities.org, you'll see all the projects we got. And we're building a house in, uh, in, uh, partnership with the Gary Sinise foundation for a, uh, a triple amputee, um, explosives ordinance, uh, uh, disposal tech technician, um, Andrew Botrell. You, uh, those of you that were at the conference got a chance to meet him, um, on stage and, uh, and here's a guy who nine years in the Navy, um, three years into Afghanistan, um, gets his, uh, is in a vehicle that hit an IED and lost uh, both legs and his left arm. And, uh, the kid is a, is tremendous, tremendous example of, you know, if you get if life deals you lemons, make lemonade. He's got a tremendous attitude, a tremendous positive attitude. Uh, I like what uh, Nick Cowan, my loan officer, said. He's emotionally invincible, uh, or at least what he shows to us. And uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna raise money. We're gonna raise seven hundred thousand dollars this year with your help uh, to to pay for this house that uh, Gary Sinise Foundation and Wholesale Capital Charities is. Uh, uh, is putting together as a smart home for Andrew and his family. And I don't know any, any people that are more deserving. And the thing I like about when I met Gary Sinise and his organization is they pick out the guys who, who deserve it. The guys who are an example, the guys that have uh, come home with, with um, injuries that really are going to stay with them forever. Not, well, you know, I'm kind of depressed. I got PTSD and not to, not to minimize that, but the guys that came back with part of their body missing and have a, have a, have a, uh, a great, a set a great example of how to, how to say I'm alive. My brain still works. I'm still alive. I'm going to make the best of this life. And Andrew Botrell is one of those guys. Go to my website, wccharities.org and check it out and donate folks donate don't just read it click on donate now and if you can give 10 bucks give 10 bucks and if you can give a thousand bucks give a thousand bucks or anywhere in between i'm out of time for this episode of the main event thanks for listening my name's ed hoffman and i'll be back again with you next week Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.